Jason, welcome to Trekking Awesome. I'm Mike. <laughs> welcome to tre- Trekking Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, this is our uh, this is my father-in-law, my wife's dad. Yep. Um, and he's going to be uh, yeah. <laughs> and he's going to be guest starring today, uh, kind of joining the conversation to you know see what we can add from a newbie to Trek kind of perspective. Yeah. He. I think to call him an outsider regarding Star Trek would be a bit of an understatement. How many times have you watched Star Trek before this evening, do you think? This will probably make five episodes, maybe. In, the yeah. last one was probably 1977. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't Fair enough. 1977. Uh, but yeah. but, so this is definitely your first episode of Star Trek Voyager that you've ever watched. Yes. I think this okay. is the first night he's been aware that there was such a thing. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, so I was kind of interested to get your perspective on it, actually, as an outsider. Um, we can launch into like how that, how you feel about the episode and how you feel about maybe Star Trek more generally, uh, definitely. Um, but I guess, yeah, I'm excited about this episode. Yeah, you're so... Fir- you're our first official guest on the show, so... so. How about that? Yeah. Well, congratulations. Such an honor. Such an honor. Yeah. 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 Well, welcome. I, uh, I actually... That's not true, because all of our music is done by... Is that's done by true. So, so you are... So uh, so for anybody who's interested in listening to his music, um, you know, he has YouTube. Yes, Too Late Studios. Okay, all right. Too Late Studio, not, not, not plural. Okay. Okay. Right. So YouTube channel and yes. uh, definitely check him out uh, if you enjoy the music or even if you don't check him out anyway. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Good so, stuff. Use the hits. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, cool. Okay. So I guess I'll uh, give us a little. Well, uh, before that, let's actually tell tell them what episode we're actually watching. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, we watched tonight um, the Cloud uh, episode six from season one of Star Trek Voyager. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, that's um, there's a living nebula. <laughs> yeah, to, to quote Janeway, they were a few weeks into their like being stranded in the Delta yeah. Quadrant. I mean, this is an early, early episode. Yeah, no, there's a lot of there's a lot of it like, like set deve- there's a lot of like uh, plot development for like the overarching plot of the series. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of character development that you kind of see going on in this episode. Um, not a lot of it great, though. <laughs> yeah, right. No, there's a lot of character development that I feel like they have to walk back on uh, yeah. later on in the series. Um, yeah, especially with Neelix. Oh, especially with... Well, not that he's ever got great character development, but yes, I agree. Um, I, I think they finally do there, like, on the last episode that he's actually in, in season the seven. the last episode of Neelix. <laughs> they give him some, some, some development. No, that's not true, because they give him some There's development couple, throughout. Yeah, he's got some stuff with Naomi Wildman, but yeah, yeah. Well, for the most part, we don't get it. So, okay, so we have some Neelix, we have a little bit of Kef, mm-hmm. very little bit of Kef, actually. Thank hardly God. Hardly any Tuvok, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> hardly any Ensign Kim, who is sort of... Ensign Kim's kind of, kind of medium in this one. And he's got a weird... Um, He's kind of a weirdo in this episode. He's a super weirdo. The conversation... Well, anyway. Yeah, no, we'll talk yeah, about yeah. it. No, I have to... Anywho. Yeah, so, so do you want to go ahead and get into that uh, synopsis? Yeah, I'd be happy to. All right. 
Janeway and crew are having trouble embracing their new home. A local nebula seems to have a much-needed energy, and the crew sets off to explore. Janeway, unsure about her, how her crew is responding to their detour, turns to her first officer, Chakotay, for help. He recommends that she seek experience from her animal guide, a Native American tradition from the tribe stereotype. She accepts his offer to discover her own animal guide. Once inside the nebula, the cloud uh, begins to drain what little resources they have. They fight their way out, apparently punching a hole in the side. Ensign Kim and Paris are hamming it up on the holodeck, awaiting the analysis of the nebula. As it turns out, the nebula is in fact a living organism, and Voyager must return to repair the damage. Janeway takes a minute to discover that her animal guide is actually a lizard, just before they get stuck in the belly of a much larger beast. They decide to ride the life form's circulatory system out through the wound they created. Once there, they use the ship to successfully suture the wound. Paris, in the meantime, finds a better way to boost the uh, crew's morale than a spirit quest. Um, so I think the first thing we definitely have to talk about is the great big Native American elephant in the room. Right, um, or um, lizard in this case. Uh, yeah, the... the uh, whenever I was in high school, we did a one-act play, and there was a play that one of the schools did called When the Fire Dies. And it was a bunch of white kids that painted themselves up <laughs> in oh spray-painted tan and talked in broken English. No. And they portrayed Native Americans better than Chakotay <laughs> does in this series. It's, it's that, like, his portrayal of Native Americanism, in my opinion, is just so bad. Because you never know what tribe he's coming from. You never know, you don't know anything about, like, what his deal is in terms of his heritage. Yeah, so, so, okay, um, all the language that he used in this episode is totally gibberish. It's, it's completely made up. Oh, yeah. No. There, there is no, there's no papitas, or there are no, I don't remember what the and words he And I'm pretty sure Hakuchi Moye is Yeah, I'm, I know Hakuchi Moye is, is just absolute <laughs> bunk. Um, so, so... And this is, like, pretty atypical for Star Trek, right? I mean, this yeah. is not something... Usually they're relatively racially sensitive for their era, right? I mean, for so era, so yeah. you have to, like, TOS we make a few exceptions for. Even TNG, we can kind of, like, okay, I don't know yeah, about yeah. that, but that was pretty good, like... Um, yeah, TNG really tried, and they didn't They didn't go after Native Americans. To, well, I take that back. There was the... Uh, uh, yeah, the, the one... The Wesley Crusher yeah, uh, So, all right, so here's the history that I promised you. Um, okay. So the the uh, advisor, I guess, is what you consultant. I think is oh, what yeah, you'd say. Oh yeah, the cultural consultant. The cultural consultant for that episode in Next Generation and this episode and Chakotay's character more generally were the same person. And here's Makes the sense. thing: he was. Anybody know the story of Iron Eyes Cody? Anybody heard of Iron Eyes Cody? You remember Iron no. Eyes Cody? From the commercials back in the oh the seventies single teardrop okay. Native American yeah, yeah. Don't okay litter. don't litter guy yeah then don't litter Native American his name is Iron Eyes Cody and here's the thing about Iron Eyes Cody he was Italian uh, and everything that he said or did regarding Native Americans was completely made up he 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 adopted this identity right the person that they got as a consultant for this for Chakotay's character and for the episode in Next Generation is basically the Iron Eyes Cody of Native American consultants in Hollywood in the late, in the, you know, in the um, late 80s, early 90s. 
So it it wasn't that they didn't do their due diligence. It's that the person that they hired to help come up with the sort of backstory of Chakotay was a liar, was like a complete BS artist. Well, I guess then we have to give the actors some credit or the writers some credit on it then because they really did try, but, God, it's just so bad. I know. Well, but I, I think... I think that I, I think that like while I can give them credit on the whole like butchering Native American ritual thing, I don't think I could give them credit on the like really terrible writing for the animal guide situation. Oh yeah, that, those conversations were pretty bad. I mean, just in general, like they, they, they didn't seem to flow, but that could be a symptom of early on in the series, like they were still getting their footing underneath them if you want to try to Why was Janeway's way. animal guide a lizard? Explain why that not? one to me. But why? why? It wasn't just a lizard. It was like a. It was like one of the like little tiny geckos that we get outside our house. That. But I mean, why not? I mean, Janeway. I mean, what? I mean, it doesn't symbolize anything. Obviously, they didn't put too much thought in it because they never revisit this. There was no <laughs> point to it. Whatever. Right. Yeah. There was no point to that whole whole business in the show. It was just, oh hey, we have a Native American on board. Look at that. Yeah. Well, and so they're in the middle of it. And, and uh, they're interrupted by somebody barging into the captain's cabin. Right. And, and they wrap all this stuff up almost as if they've been caught having sex. Right. Or oh, like, yeah, like caught with like a bong or something. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. that was the sense that I got. It was like, oh, God, it's the cops. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, I got the same impression that it was like, well, and then the weird thing was like, to no end. By the way, all of that to no end. I mean, Nothing happens that, with it. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the whole lizard, the whole experience. The, uh, right. And, and, and she doesn't even like talk and, to the lizard. No. She, you know, she, I mean, she, I, touches it and then she's like interrupted. Yeah, she has uh, like a little. Smirk. I mean, that's kind of symbolic of something, you know. You touch your lizard and get interrupted. Uh. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I had a nickel. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's one of those things where it's like it. What it was. It wasn't so much the fact that they butcher uh, any like any sort of native Native American ritual. Not that it even matters, frankly. I mean, yeah. it does in the sense that like you shouldn't do that. It doesn't in the sense that like you still have to have good writing even if you're going to use sort of Native American rituals to yeah. justify what it is that you're doing. Like, it doesn't matter what the lore is. You just have to keep it good and make it make sense yeah. and make it fit right. with the plot. What was the point? Right. I mean, have a point. When right. you're telling your little stories, have a point. Right. Yeah, I think in fairness, though, like, we are talking about a series that's only six episodes old at this point. And they're trying, yeah. I think, like they said, in every series, there is kind of like the counselor of the of the ship. There's somebody who right. kind of fills that role of emotional guide to, to the crew. Yeah. And this series didn't really have it. And I think what they were trying to do was trying to open up the door for Chakotay to be that person. And it didn't really play well, so of course they backed off from it. But I think that was the goal with this episode. He, but yeah, but he doesn't. He doesn't. 
he does sort of play the role of counselor in a lot of in a lot of episodes. I would argue he does, and and but it kind of goes around like everybody kind of fills that role. Yeah, but a lot of the times his role hinges on the fact that he's Native American. Like that's very he, true. He's, I mean, he's like it's he's like a guru, you know, where they're just sort yeah. of like, okay, here's this person who's vaguely exotic. Um, he probably has good advice. You know, I mean yeah. that that that's the Let's, feeling. That's the sense that I get. It, from it, it is very, it is very much a stereotype where they where they grab the the wizened elder of of a foreign culture or seemingly foreign yeah, culture right. to to be the spiritual leader. You know? Yeah, and right. It does it does play is really really tacky. It is tacky. And I it's that's super. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. super tacky. <laughs> like yeah, it's almost insulting. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, as a as a Native American, I believe I would be a little insulted by that. I I would I would imagine, yeah. especially can, and again, it, it's not their fault that they got the the. I mean, I, I don't blame them for hiring the wrong person, right? Like they 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 tried yeah. to hire a person who gave them information. The information was incorrect. That person was a was a huckster, right? Like this yeah, is no. this is this is that that that's the reason that this happened. But at the same time, like you still have to have a sort of general purpose to what it is that you're doing, and they just mm-hmm. completely don't. And I I feel like literally half of this episode was what is what's happening right now. I mean, yeah, the whole B plot with with regards to which you know, was what i mean like the B plot i think was janeway trying to find some sort of like comfort in her crew like it starts off i think it started off with the B plot like her talking about like noticing how the crew's morale has shifted and then like wanting to find some sort of like counseling option for the crewmates for her crew members and herself and then trying to join in with like Harry and the guys at the at the bar at the end of the episode. I think that was our B plot, and it was all over the place. Right. That that's the problem for me was that the B plot, like you know, even if they had stuck with the um, spirit quest situation as as like a morale booster or whatever the situation was, then at least they would have sort of had mm-hmm. some some semblance of yeah. of 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 a plot structure, but they didn't. Continuity. Yeah. yeah they, there, there was no, there, the plot was all over the place. Yeah, yeah. The only, I mean, the A plot, obviously the, the plot going for the nebula, that was pretty straightforward and, and pretty, pretty linear, you know, it, it, it played well, but everything supporting that was, right. was just, yeah, I mean, foobar. right. Well, I mean, that, that was, yeah, actually, I have to say, I actually kind of enjoyed the plot with the nebula. I thought it was kind of a fascinating yeah. concept, like the idea of this sort of massive life form. You know, I mean, it's the pit of Sarlacc, or it's um, the cave on the asteroid that's actually a worm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, this is, this is, it's, well, I mean, it's it cool goes, conceptually. It goes more than that. It's, it's kind of the thing that Star Trek always does. It's, it's the silica-based life form that lives in the water table, you know? That right. It, it's the rock monster that right, lives the underground. The yeah. It, that's what this is. It's like, it's noted, it's it's paying attention and realizing that life can come in any form. Right. And you have to, you have to respect it. That's part of Star Trek. Well, and it was such a Star Trek thing to do to, like, go back and fix 
the problem, fix, yeah. to fix the damage that they've done. Exactly. Like to recognize like, oh, we did damage to something that's not just a, you know, a piece of, like a, a rock. Not just a random gas cloud. Right. We need to make it right. And we exactly. need to do the right thing. And and there, there, I mean, there was no question there. Like nobody said why, you know, other than Neelix, of course. Yeah. Um, because, you know, Neelix is Neelix. Because Neelix is Neelix. Ugh, Neelix. Uh, Neelix. Um, so I wanted to ask, I guess, uh, Dad, uh, Mike, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, what was your, what was your take on, I mean, on Star Trek more generally, or on the, I mean, how how did you feel about this episode, or how did, did does it make you want to watch more Star Trek? I guess is my. I'm gonna say no. I, really? I, uh, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's it's it's. Uh, I I gained no traction whatever from from this certainly. I, I, uh, what specifically do you think turned you off to to Star Trek? I mean, what well, what I mean, about the, this episode writing, turned you? Off? And I mean, maybe giving them a buy. It was it's it's it, it's you know there are five episodes in the season one, you know, and that should be that should be like there should be a lot of creative juice flowing. I mean, they should not. There should be a lot of excitement there in the writing. Mm-hmm. And and they seem to be struggling with with even like sticking with a with any kind of a storyline there. I mean, it, it, I mean, it, you, you're talking about a subplot. The the the, uh, the nebula uh, almost was was as as um, it, it w- w- almost carried as much importance as as the uh, pool hall. The, the, the yeah. There was there, you know, there, there was no there, you got it. There was no, there was no single item, and then, and then, and then subplots that that that, that spun off of that. I mean, every, everything was basically like a subplot. Right, 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 right. And that is kind of a thing that happens with Star Trek. Like I've noticed with each of the series, it starts off kind of weak. Like the yeah, first like six to eight episodes. They just really don't know what they're doing. It happened in Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine didn't really get good until the second season, in my opinion. The same thing is true of Next Gen. Same thing is true Next of Next Gen. Next Gen, first Next season Gen was, first season was terrible. Of, eh. But it was also the reintroduction of Star Trek to the world, right. you know? Right. So, yeah, but again, like you're, like you're saying, Mike, I mean, any other show... Like, we see it with the Orville. Like, there are, what, six episodes in now? I think... Five episodes yeah, in? Yeah. And they're, like, really pumping them out, and they're really turning out great episodes. The Like, Star Trek's not really known for doing that. Right. I mean, it takes them a little while to get their feet To up. find, yeah. They, they have, a, they have a, 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 a Trekkie base, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's there's a crew of people that are going to sit and watch it just because of Star Trek. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because the name mm-hmm. Star Trek's on it. And that gives... gives uh, it's safe to say gives the writing staff a, a buy for a half a season, at least a full season, so. yeah, at least before before they get their legs under them. And yeah, absolutely start. right. They're just kind of clawing for ideas basically now, mm-hmm. and like, like yeah, so let's see what let's we're just spitballing. Let's see what sticks. That's I think mm-hmm. that's literally what it is, and 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 for the writers of Star Trek and for Star Trek more generally, the reason people keep coming back to it has less to do with the plots, although sometimes they're really notably good, and more to do with character development. And I mean, mm-hmm. in every in every iteration of Star Trek, there's some character that their development is what you're actively following. Right. You're actively watching them go from point A to point B, right. and that's mm-hmm. what's interesting about it. I mean, in the original series, it was the trifecta. It was Kirk, Spock, and uh, McCoy, oh. Bones. Yeah. There, there are... There are 
papers written about these three characters, right? right? Uh, that there is their representation of the ego, the superego, and the id. Uh, that there, you know, that there are sort of various parts of one character's personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're all supposed to sort of watch these three work together. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you're supposed to see... So one of the my favorite theories regarding Kirk, Spock, and uh, McCoy is that Kirk is the uh, ethos, the authority. Spock is the logos, the logic. And and uh, McCoy is the uh, pathos, the emotion, right? And so the three of them together make the perfect argument, mm-hmm. and that's why you have to have the three mm-hmm. of them together. So that's why you watch the TOS. There are some episodes that are real clunkers, but you watch them anyway because at the end of it, you get to see something interesting between those three characters. Yeah. In in Next Generation, I would say Picard probably is is one of the bigger reasons people watch. And then um, Data, I think, is the second big oh, reason. Yeah. And there are episodes in season one where those characters really shine. Yeah. Voyager, I think it takes a while to find a character that you really latch on to. Well, I, I didn't latch on to Janeway the way most people would immediately latch on to Janeway. But think, Lana Torres maybe, but not I Janeway. I think the thing is with, with uh, Voyager, because it was, of the new series, it was the third. And right. essentially the final one before they went back and did Enterprise. Um they were following the formula of Star Trek in terms of building their bridge crew. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have, I mean, you can look at it and you can equate one to one character across the board of every Star Trek there is. I mean, obviously, and that's what they were relying on. They were relying on, you know, Tom Paris being the new Kirk and everybody wanting to be the new Tom Paris. Right. But his character changes drastically from the beginning to the end of the series. I mean, he goes from being the young bachelor to being the family man. Right, right. And then you have, like, who else? Belana Torres, who is this, I guess you would call her the bones of of the situation, because she is very emotional. She is very Mm -hmm. hot-headed. And she ends up becoming kind of a stable force. Like, she becomes the chief engineer. She's the one that, that kind of, like is like a solid rock that people lean on throughout the series. Well, and her hot-headedness is not... It's more nuanced than Bones yeah. ever was, and I mean, and and you and there's a story there, and it's not just that she's hot headed; it's that she has this backstory of being half Klingon and da da da. And I think that's a thing for the time period too, because obviously in the '60s they didn't really go into a lot of character backstories. No, not at all. In, in especially ensemble type television, right? Whereas you know, with this, they do. Like mm-hmm. in, in the, it started it obviously in later Star Trek Next Gen. Where they started developing backstory for the characters. Um, and I don't know of, that you even get other than Data and Picard. I mean, Riker, you get a little bit of backstory on yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. You get the dad. dad. You, yeah, you get, you get backstory. I mean, even even Gates and McFadden's character gets some backstory in Sub Rosa. Oh, <laughs> we will get there someday. <laughs> um, Sub Rosa is a notoriously terrible episode from Next Generation. Okay. Um, it's 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 imagine. You know what? Let's just not talk Let's about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we might, if you want to come yeah, back to yeah. that you can, one, you can, we'll, you we'll can, watch uh, it together. We won't make your time. We're, we're literally, <laughs> we're literally going to chase you away from all of Star Trek with a pitchfork because we're the episode. Well, yeah. I mean, all we do is we talk about the bad episodes. So it's like obviously we're like asking you, like, what do you feel about these episodes? It's like, of course, they're crap episodes. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if we were watching Measure of a Man, I would, I would wonder if you felt the same, you know, or yeah, or we even picked up a really good one like The Inner Light or something. Yeah, you know. right. Yeah. Oh, Inner Light is 
That's a good one. I love Inner Light. It's yeah. painful, but well, good. As far as uh, as character development, though, they, um, <clears throat> I think they have a really long way to go with me. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? They take that, their they take that, their sweet no, time a, with he's him. He's the uh, he's the mayor of Munchkinville. Yes, yeah, that's a good I, I, uh, description. Uh, and he doesn't change much, frankly. I mean, oh, he no, that's not true. He, he does, does. He but does. it takes. Like it you said, like like maybe five seasons before he's a tolerable oh character. He that's, reminds me. He reminds that's, me. That's that's painful. It is, and, it, yeah. and he's one of those characters. They downplay him a lot. He goes. That's he good. he goes like way. You know, sort of fades into the background. How long, well, how long could that be cute for? No, I mean, it's. it's not, I mean, uh, it reminds me of those. It reminds me of if you ever saw. I think I've made this this comparison before, but if you ever saw, years and years ago, it was a Disney film, and it's called. Oh, I just lost the name of it. The Black Cauldron. And, and The Black Cauldron is one of the best Disney movies ever made. It's, it's amazing. It's dark and weird and mysterious. And, and like there's a, there's a skeleton king. It's, it's a great movie, not necessarily for children, but it's a great movie. Um, the thing that ruins that movie is this one character named Gurgi who talks like this. He's like, Gurg, I'm Gurgi. I'm yeah, I'm not. And like the whole thing is, is he's the most obnoxious character ever made. So other than this one character, he's like this, it's like this really incredible film. That's Neelix on Voyager. He is such a horribly obnoxious character in every capacity um, until much, much, much later when you finally get some backstory and you finally like, okay, now he's interesting. But, but it's only, Season six, maybe. Season no, season they, five. They, they bring it in. Uh, what's the? I can't remember which season it's in, but they talk about his like, his like military service and right. like, what happened to his like family and stuff, and that really develops him as a character. Oh yeah, and kind of gives you like an explanation of like why he is the way he is. Yeah. And, and, and they tone it down. They tone it down. They do tone it. Yeah, but it down. takes a while. It and does. like it does. It takes it takes much longer than any normal human being would put up with. To be know? fair, he's not human. He's Talaxian. Well, I meant like any normal like person <laughs> watching TV. Oh, okay. <laughs> In that case, yes. Like seriously, if they made a show that was like centered around Neelix, it would get canceled like five minutes into the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, how did you feel about um, Janeway? Like how, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on Janeway? Yeah, I mean, I really, honestly, there wasn't enough there to develop any real feelings for me. And I mean, uh, cold. Uh, right. Uh, non, non-emotional. Robotic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, Talking about Janeway? Was, there's yeah. Not a, yeah, there just wasn't enough. I think in this episode, like, in my, just, like, trying to look yeah. at it objectively for this particular episode... Um, she seemed kind of like giddy girly, like, and it was put on weirdly giddy girly. Yeah, like the whole conversation yeah, that they have about that first conversation they have about like the spirit guides. She's like smiling and leaning in her chair all over, and like, you know, like, what was that about? Like that's I don't not know. I, I actually wrote the note behavior. like I actually like wrote the note like way to dismiss fake Native American culture, Janeway. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I know it's not real, but like, way to dismiss it anyway. Like, you shouldn't dismiss Chakotay's fake culture. Like, that's yeah, terrible. Yeah, light of it. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. And actually, like, one of the things that I always kind of annoyed me about Janeway, and probably, I mean, I, I think, I think, this is not, by the way, a dig at the actress, because the actress 
is... Oh, yeah, Kate Mulgrew is awesome. Kate Mulgrew... And she does a great job throughout the series. She does. I mean, there was nothing. There was no, There was nothing about the acting. Right. It was the writing. I mean, it was totally the writing. Because the yeah. actress, by the way, plays Red on Orange Is the New Black. She's she's okay. so if you she's the Russian, yeah, the one with yeah, the Russian accent. Yeah, so okay. she's a phenomenal actress, and she's I mean, hands. She's just like yeah, she's just a I wonderful, believe, wonderful yeah, actress. It, again, that, there, there was nothing. The, the acting was was uh, certainly was solid. But her. She, something about the way they write her character in the first, like, season or two, where she uses, like, a sort of flirtatious, a, a very fake flirtatious vibe for getting her her way, basically. Um, that is one of the more insulting parts about season one, maybe season two of Voyager. Just her sort of, like, weirdly flirtatious um method of of leadership well I mean, she she really only flirts oh sorry no, no, go, ahead. Go, ahead, go, ahead, go ahead i really only think that think and i guess i would have to watch it a little more closely but i only ever noticed her playing like the flirtiness with chakotay well she did it with tom paris too and in, in the okay. in the pool room remember uh, when the guy hits on yes, her and she's like no i wouldn't be all the fun you know it's like yeah. okay come really really Certainly yeah. not becoming of a of a, of a woman that would achieve She's a captain of a starship. Yeah. That's not that is not no. the character of a no. of, of a person that 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 would uh, do the things that would take, especially a woman, because right. they, you have to be twice as good as a man to achieve. Obviously. Uh, yeah, and 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 a, and, a captain. and theoretically, it's not true in you know the twenty fourth century, but but even still, there is this sort of uncomfortableness with the fact that they're willing to use her femininity as a method of leadership in the 24th century. Like, we're supposed to be looking ahead here, you know? Right. We're supposed to be right, looking right. to a point where it's like, hey, you don't have to use your feminine wiles to get what you certainly want. Not, certainly not, not ro in a robotic matter, matter, matter yeah. either. I mean, right. It, it would be, I mean, yeah. One that's clearly... Well, we do have out. to realize that the, this is dialogue and story written by a bunch of guys. I know, I know, I know. But yeah, like I know. 20 something years ago. Yeah, yeah. right. This was in 95. Yeah. As painful as it is to think that 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 uh, that's the way it was back yeah. then, because I mean, they're you know just it, you know just, again the portrayal of the Native American uh, anyway, that, uh, and yeah. and then and then uh, the portrayal of women, yeah, and especially women in powerful places. That's it's painful to watch that. Right. I mean, to be fair, I think, and this is one of my biggest criticisms of I would even say like Star Trek or Trek more generally is that like. Janeway is the paragon of, you know, of Star Trek females, or she's held up as this paragon of Star Trek females. Like, here is mm -hmm. what we do for women in Star Trek. And she's actually, like, a terrible example. There are better examples, and there are better right. examples in Places Voyager. We place women in power. Right. I mean, yeah. the... the, the the example that I always point to, and it's from Voyager, is Belana Torres, the half-Klingon uh, chief engineer. Mm -hmm. She is powerful. She's interesting. She's still emotional and you know i mean she doesn't she's not like she doesn't downplay her femininity but she also is an engineer um you know i mean she's and and her her character and and her i would argue her dignity never waver right, right? she she is who she is um good bad or indifferent all through the series and i, I think that that's what makes it's weird to me that that 
Janeway, who uses feminine wiles in the first couple of seasons as her method of leadership, is the paragon of, of virtue in Star Trek, of female, female virtue in Star Trek. Well, I think it's because I mean, like, whenever we hold up Janeway, we're talking about her from her like body of the body of her character like yeah not just season one not just season one and a half because i would venture to say like by the end of the second season she's kind of getting into the stride of the type of character that she's going to be for the remainder of the series and by that point she is the kind of stone cold you know hill dog kind of <laughs> prototype yeah Strong female. I mean, frankly, it's it's even more insulting to me. You know, I mean, because why can't why can't a woman be be why can't a woman be written into a part as as uh, being a woman who happens to be a captain? Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's not anything. She's 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 held under her her femininity and and. uh, and, and, and she's still captain, and she's still an effective leader. Well, I mean, and, yeah, and they do. right, yeah, I, I agree with you. There are there are episodes, though, throughout the series that when she does hit that stride, I mean, the what is it, the one where she, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the one where Tom create, redoes the holodeck, and they have the, the little Irish town, and they show her getting oh, yeah. intimate with the bartender guy. But that, but... But then they also have the one where she, like, where she, her and Chakotay are stuck on the planet because they have the weird disease, and she begins becoming, you know, she's researching to try to cure their disease, but she's also, you know, showing this feminine side of herself. Like, I don't think that she ever becomes, like, robotic, as I probably But But, no, but, but the, po- the point that you're making, and actually you're almost, you're almost proving the point here, that, like, the two instances that you pointed out, and actually the majority of the other instances where where Janeway is more feminine or more feminized, all of them have to do with her sexuality. It's not about her being an emotive character. It's not about being her being nurturing or maternal, right? Like none of these are are virtues that they uh, use in leadership positions. Torres uses them, by the way. She is nurturing in a in a way. She is maternal in a way, right? In fact, later in later seasons, she is in fact a mother. So so she uses that that um, the good, bad, and indifferent sides of motherhood in order to to sort of to sort of lead. Janeway, alternatively, if she is feminine, she is feminine with in relationship to her sexuality, and no other time. And 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 I I think that. I'm not saying that her character is just, we should just like throw it in the trash, she's a bad character, or even that she's a bad captain. Just that it, we're, it's weird to me that the best of Star Trek women um, is Janeway. In the sense that she, she doesn't exhibit the, I would argue, the traits of femaleness very well. Well, I think the reason why we hold her up to, uh, to be such a high standard is because she is the lead of this series. Yeah. Previous to this, what do we have? Right. We have... Oh, yeah. We have uh, Crusher and Deanna Troy who are constantly... The only time they talk, they're talking about a man in terms of how much they like them. I know, I know. Um, Or we have Jadzia Dax who's, I mean, while a competent officer, she's only ever interested... Like, all of her, like, side conversation that she has with... um, uh, what's her name? Uh, yeah, Major but you, Q. 
Kira. Yeah. They're all all she's doing is talking about dudes as well. Well, that's not I mean, entirely true. I mean, Dax and Kira Nerese are decent characters. Kira they're is decent characters, Kira, but they Kira, only ever talk about Kira, dudes. Kira is a great character. I mean, Kira, I mean, really? I, I don't, I don't. You always bash Kira. I don't like her, but she's a good <laughs> character. I mean, I I don't like her as I don't think she's well written, yeah. but I I like her sort of generally. I mean, I think I think that the, the attempt was noble and and yeah. maybe the execution was bad, but but I mean, I, I yeah, and I I I. I I think it's fair to criticize the way that women are treated in in Star Trek. I think it's more fair to criticize the way Janeway is written. Yeah. And and let's. I I think the point is is that, at the time, like, I guess okay. Let let's do it this way. Um, I don't have a good example, but it's like. For the time period, she was the best woman on TV. Yeah. No, that's like, maybe fair. Like, hands down. Like Except the, Buffy. The strongest. The Vampire Slayer. Really? I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Hey, watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, we could talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer and how she was... Her and Willow were constantly worried about boys the entire time. Okay, but... But... Uh, she but saves like, the world. Janeway, Janeway didn't spend a lot of time on dudes. She had a few yeah, episodes that's true. where she did. Um, but of course, over the course of seven seasons, you're going to have that. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, you can't have a woman up because men apparently can't write a woman for seven seasons and not want to, you know, put, well, her but, in a, put her in a damsel in distress situation. Yeah, but to be fair, I mean, they do the same thing with Ensign Kim, like literally oh, yeah, every no, episode. He is, he is so, totally so I, I can't. Yeah. So I can't. Yeah, so I, can't I can't. I can't. I'm not going to say that Janeway is a bad character. I'm going to say that some of the characterizations or the character traits that she exhibits early on are. Yeah, no, more than a little insulting. That, for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. It's just, it just, it's just awkward. I mean, she, it, there's, there's a lot of awkwardness there in her, in, 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 in the use of her as, as a, as a leadership role. Yeah. Yeah. Another example was in the pool hall at the table. It's like a, you know, I don't know what the, the pool's, you know, it's a pool yeah. cube. She has yeah. to be told it's a pool cube. Right. I, I, yeah. And then, and then she, I don't know about such things like that. Yeah, and then, well, and then, and then, and then she, she like, like runs the table. Yeah, and then she's like clearly a pool shark. Right, right, you know, right. I mean, it's that whole. It's the it's the it's deceptiveness. Like, little old me. Yeah, yeah, right, right, and that's. I it's, mean, it's 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 characterizing women as having to be these like like weak feminine creatures in order to gain any kind of sympathy from a man. Or traction. Well, or traction featured, in a male dominated uh, uh, Tom Cruise doing that in, in the movie The Hustler. The, uh, right. The acting like that. Uh, right. I mean, that, that, that yeah, it wouldn't have worked. Well, he wouldn't have done it. Yeah. yeah, he he wouldn't. Yeah, been. and that I mean, and that and, and, a, and a writer would not have dared try to write that in for his character. No. Mm-mm. I, I, uh, and yet, yet she has she has to do it. She I mean, has to stoop. That's insulting. She has to stoop in yeah. so many scenes, in right. so many episodes. Yeah. she has to stoop. And, and she stoops is, to like, conquer. The other thing is, is like Neelix, his character never would have pulled that crap on Captain Picard. No, like he would have barged no. into he would have barged into yeah. Picard's you know, office. And like, right, and, right. And like, Captain's what office. the hell are you doing? Yeah, no, Pardon I mean, French. come on. Yeah, no, I mean, and and if you haven't seen Next Generation. Picard is is frequently touted as the best captain in all of Star Trek, mm-hmm. and with good reason. He's 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 acted by Sir Patrick Stewart, who is a Shakespearean actor. He's 
he's he's a okay, paragon. Yeah, I, I, I do know who that is. He's so most people do. Yeah. He's an he's an incredible actor. Feature barging into his. It would never have quarters. happened. It yeah. would never com- have. You know he, what? Protest. He, he would have been like, here, let me. Yeah, you go get on your ship and get the heck out of here. Is what he right, would have done. He's right. Like, We're done. You know. He, he play he plays he plays the character with a level of gravitas that I don't think that has ever been matched. Um, frankly, in yeah. Star Trek, and 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 Janeway is intended to be, she's intended to carry that much weight as a character, and yet they allow something like Neelix bursting in her office. You need someone like Neelix. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Um, Racist. N- yeah. No. No. It's a. It's an appropriate. It's an appropriate term for him. Um, no. I mean that. It's. It's that. That whole, <laughs> that whole sequence was insulting on so many levels, not the least of which was the fact that, like, Neelix... Like, what was he even saying? I mean, what was, yeah. what was the purpose of that? And then her rebuttal was almost as, as, as insulting, frankly. Yeah. Anyway. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, uh, yes. I think we're <laughs> well, all... We've already, we've already discussed how sexist Star Trek can be. Yeah, I think, well, but I, I think, yeah, but I, yeah, anyway, I, I think we can all agree that that seemed I, I guess as a, as a new watcher. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right, it was. And especially, like I said, something that was written in the 90s. I, I, I uh, looking back now, I, I thought we were a lot farther than, than clearly the, that we were. I, 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 yeah, that's, that's maybe a fair mm-hmm. as, assessment of that, of this yeah. season, is that we had this idea that we were sort of enlightened uh, you know, by the '90s, and in fact, well, probably we were getting there. We were yeah, getting I mean, there. Compare right. compare the treatment of women in Voyager to the treatment of of women in TOS or TNG, even frankly. Yeah, or TNG even, which yeah. it, which precedes it by fifteen years. N- no, not even nearly, maybe a decade, because yeah. TNG started in '87. This started in '95. Okay, so, so like not even quite a decade. Not even quite a decade. Yeah, and it's like it, it, they made some pretty pretty huge, huge strides. Yeah, in that, in that time period. Agreed. Especially for like even in TNG, like you had some pretty big strides because you start off where like the first two three seasons, Deanna Troy is in a unitard. And she's always being taken advantage of. And by the end of the series, she's becoming a lieutenant commander and, like, actually wearing a uniform that, yeah, no, that doesn't yeah. show off her cleavage. Right. No, I, I mean, yeah. like, not saying that, I mean, it's baby steps, but not saying that, you know, we should hold up Deanna Troy as, like, of this bastion of, of like, strong feminine, femininity, but... She's a heck of a lot better than she was in season one. Yeah, no, that's true. And I mean, the same thing happens for most of the female yeah, characters, except I, for Talking Art and Kesh, uh, Kess. Kess never develops. Kess is just no, no. Thank God they got rid of her. Kess is just a terrible character. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Anyway, yeah. Well, no. anyway. So I mean, so I'm I'm disappointed that you. Was there anything about the show? that you thought was interesting or you would maybe consider exploring in another episode, maybe a better episode, definitely a better episode. Well, I mean, I, it, I, I, um, yeah, I would totally give it another chance for sure. Mm-hmm. I, um, what about the episode did you like that would, that would make you want to give it another chance? I mean, it, it was just interesting that, you know, that like, like just kind of more concentrating on just like, like kind of mission type stuff. Taking away again, going back to we we haven't touched on yet the the um, um, 
the humanizing dialogue between the, <laughs> or like the, the crew like thereof as well, it were well, there was humanizing dialogue and it was uh, as i wrote uh, barely tolerable that, that was a, that was a uh, i kind of want to point to a moment specifically here that was barely tolerable and it was the scene um between tom paris and ensign kim mm-hmm. um as they were walking to the pool hall oh god what was that Dialogue. He remembers being in the womb. Is that what we're going with? Well, I mean, the what happened with that? Why? <laughs> why? That, why? Yeah, I. And and yeah, and don't don't jump off of that cliff without <laughs> some kind of resolve. Right. They literally just <laughs> left know, that one hanging. Then, yeah, that was it. It was just like I remember being in the womb, and the and the guy says what. Huh? Yeah. Okay. And then they well, get on the elevator. Well, this is not going to be the womb. Well, in <laughs> fairness, I have friends that are that weird that say weird but, crap like that because I work was, in IT. That was off the charts weird. That was off the charts weird. But again, he is a weird. Uh, no, no, come there's on. No, excuse. There's no, no there excuse. was You're literally right. no. It was that the was just weirdest. Bad. That was unprovoked. It was the weirdest line. And it came from nowhere, and they never addressed it. It just sort of hung there. And, well, let's move on. And, 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 okay. Well, because uh, seriously, in real life, though, (laughs) think about it. If somebody had said something like that to you, how would you respond? I guess I would say something like, and moving on. (laughs) And now for something completely different. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to think, though, like, Tom Paris and Harry Kim's relationship throughout, like, I'd say the first two maybe three seasons before Tom gets serious about like dating Belana. You know, you have this weird relationship between those two where Tom is always out on the prowl trying to trying to get some, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And for some reason he's always trying to conscript Harry into his weird escapades. You yeah, know? I yeah. It's like Harry's trying to like one episode Harry's trying to re- re- pra- practice his viola or whatever the heck he plays. And Tom's like, yeah, leave it, nerd. Come on, come and hang out with me, you know? Well, and I mean, that's the whole deal. I mean, the relationship is kind of a classic, like, you know, just sort of debonair and the nerdy getting yeah. together. And, like, that that's the intention. But in this case, what? Like, yeah, yeah I mean, Ensign well, so Kim's... Take, he, takes, he takes Henson Kim into that pool hall, which is clearly his, like, sexual fantasy. Yeah. It's a place where he gets to be cool while playing pool and all the women fawn over him. Right. Why are you bringing your buddy Harry to that? Like, the weird part lock is- the holodeck door, go in there, do what you gotta do, and get out, man. I think that's why Kim has to bring his mother figure in at the very, like, in the yeah, very like, last please, scene. Please, please yeah, protect me like, from this weird predator guy. I, I need a grown-up. Can you come with me? <laughs> <laughs> that whole scene at the end was hilarious. Um, yeah. Not... Not in the way the writers intended. It was hilarious in that, like, what happened? I mean, what what was going on that that everybody thought, you know what we need to do? We need to go into Tom Paris's hollow, um, like, program and uh, and see what kind of women are hitting on him and why. I mean, like, that, yeah. that was what, that was the whole, what yeah. was that? That was... That was something else. There was, what that was yeah. I mean, his whole thing was like, "Oh, I went here when I was in college, basically," and 
I mean, there are a lot of places I went in college that I would not want to revisit. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not building a replica of Lucky Lou's in my backyard. <laughs> right. I'm sorry, yeah. it wasn't that good of a place. Right, <laughs> right. But I mean, anyway, the whole sequence was just so awkward and indelicate. And then, yeah. and then he like, and then after the one hollow character hits on Janeway, he's like, oh. I, I would have made it different if I hadn't known you were going to be here. Yeah, you mean you would have made it where people are less willing to bone you? Because that's yeah. that's what you're saying right now. Is it like, Yeah, I would have turned down the sleaze knob a little bit. Right. Control holes. <laughs> right, yeah. I was making a porno. I didn't realize the captain was going to be here. Now we'll just make it rated R. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, that's it was so awkward. And, and, and this is the thing that, like, they sort of used to replace the morale-boosting spirit quest. Um, that they had in initially intended. So, oh, yeah. like, <sighs> back so, it was a little bit too much like a a, a, uh, a you know like a a, a '60s uh, representation of a Western dance hall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that right. Little, and, and the women in it, and the yeah, and and, and the French guy that's hitting on the on the captain right it, i mean it was that was uh that was it was super it was pretty bad pretty cheap. yeah the thing is and what i think they were trying to do is i think they were trying to prove that voyager is going to have a holodeck you know because as i recall this is the first episode in the season and so therefore the first episode in voyager where they have a holo holodeck right I or, say so yeah so so what you know to sort of catch you up to speed a holodeck is basically a room that produces or reproduces basically whatever you want. Um, it's your fantasy room. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and it does so using light that they convert to matter. So it yeah. feels it's looks magic. and feels real. Yeah, <laughs> right. it's magic. Yeah. Uh, but but science yeah. magic. Um, so, magic. yeah, space magic. Um, so, so, you know, in Next Generation, they have some really interesting holodeck episodes um some of which are really really good some of which are really really terrible some of which are good yeah. and terrible at the i can't same wait time. to get to talk about a fistful of data because that one yes. is awful and amazing at the same time yeah. um i actually love fistful of data um <laughs> but yeah but for weird reasons uh, but anyway so i mean it's one of those things where like this is voyager saying hey we still have a holodeck isn't that cool but the way they chose to do it I guess I just will never understand that choice. Like, wh how did yeah. that go through three well, different writers and producers kind of, and directors? That's kind of the deal is, like, every time they, like, revamp their holodeck thing, is they always have, like, the main big holodeck that, you know, everybody comes and plays the same program because of reasons. Right. Um, they It's always some weird fantasy at Tom's. That's true. And it's, like... That is Why true. Why are we playing into this narcissist's like weird sexual fantasies? Because it's all that's all it's about for him. Yeah. No, I know. Well, and but yeah, and the the practical reason behind having everybody play in the same holodeck is that they are low on energy, so they have to have everybody yeah. play in the same holodeck. But again, when it comes to like choosing a place that everybody wants to hang out, a bar is a perfectly acceptable sort of yeah. that. That's fine. Except that, why this one? And, like, why a French one? Anyway, I, yeah. yeah. It was weird, and well, I... Yeah, yeah. It was almost like the like the Western, you know, saloon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with, with, you know, the dance hall girls and... They, yeah. And the weird thing is, is that they're attempting to make it part of Tom's backstory. So, it's his, like, fantasy, but it's also his backstory. So, we as an audience are expected to, like, learn something about Tom's character through this holodeck. 
And the only thing I learned about him is that he's a sleazeball. Exactly. You know? I mean, if he's supposed to be our Kirk, what a sleazy Kirk. I mean, Kirk well, is sleazy, but he ain't that I mean, sleazy. come on. Kirk never met a female-type creature that he didn't want to do something to. Yeah, right. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. I mean, this was a weird episode. and it like really what, what a terrible episode to introduce you to Voyager on. Like, I feel kind of terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really terrible, actually. Well, I mean, I don't really have anything else to say about this one. I mean, I did want to... I mean, I we can always hit this in a different episode, but I just have to say it because every time it comes up, it make, it skeeves me out, but Neelix and Kess's relationship never makes sense to me. Yeah, so the really attractive blonde that you yeah, saw yeah, hanging yeah, in the background... She's like four years old. That Yeah, literally. That's, that's like, like part of her character. Um, Ke- Neelix is her boyfriend. Clearly, they made out. Oh, did they? Yeah, okay, yeah, I missed it. There was the, uh, that, that I've never re- kissed that anyone re- inside a nebula before. Oh my god! Right? Yeah, that was such a such a, a, a hilarious line there. Mm. Yeah, uh, some great grade A writing. I feel like we started this and we all just bashed it, and normally we try to defend it. So we, I think we need to go through and try to find something salvageable for this episode. I, I actually, you know what? I'll defend it because I do think that the quote A plot regarding the nebula was very Star Trek and very good. I think if they had taken the time to develop that more um, and and not focus on whatever the hell the B-plot was supposed to be, then this would have been a great episode. In fact, this may have been one of the iconic episodes, Mm -hmm. one where you're having to discover that this thing is not really, you know, having to make the moral... One of the things that got me, and this is actually... They had an opportunity when Neelix entered her office and said, what are you doing? You're going to kill the entire crew going back to save this nebula. There was an opportunity there to, hey, here's what we do in Starfleet. This is what we do in the Federation. We're not going to let any animal die by our own or any creature or any life form die because of something that we did. Right? We're going to fix our mistakes. That is a Star Trek thing to do. That was yeah. great. They didn't explore it. So my defense of it is the idea was fine. They just didn't go far yeah. enough. I, I will. One of the other things that I think is defensible about it's not just this sh- this episode, but like the show more in general is the design aspect. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't talk about this the last time we talked about Voyager. We kind of skimmed over it, but the design of the ship Voyager, the Intrepid class ship, mm-hmm. I thought was. I mean, it was awesome. Like they redesigned the warp core to have that cool lava lamp look to it. Mm-hmm. I mean the. Like the bridge kept, is beautiful. The bridge is beautiful, but they yeah. kept like the feel of TOS. Yep. But they updated it to be this sleek, stealthy type ship, which is what that ship is supposed to be. Right. Right. And, and it was just, I, I thought, just all in all, they did a really good job of designing the ship. The only, the one part of it that I will say needed a little bit of work was, you know, obviously hair and makeup could have done something different with that. Oh, bun. we got we got the bun of steel in this episode. I'm defending well, we the, bun the bun of steel. Of steel. You, we had the bun of steel in the last episode too. I love the bun of steel. Janeway's bun of steel is notorious. It's yeah. this incredible hairdo that nothing, and I mean nothing, shakes. That's not true. There are some episodes where it becomes a little disheveled whenever the ship gets attacked. Literally, the year of hell is the only episode where that is the case, and it takes a year. To make that bun get messed up. <laughs> Her hair is incredible. I will say that um, 
I will say, whenever they finally cut that thing off, I was like super I was happy. totally happy too. Like, I totally, man, I totally agree with it. Was like, and, and what's great is I love the episodes like after she gets her haircut where they have like the time travel episode mm-hmm. where she, they have to go back and she obviously they don't, I mean, she has to throw on a wig and it's yeah. clearly a wig because it's like three sizes bigger than the original bun. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It really it's, is. It's awesome. By the way, I'm going to rewatch this episode before Halloween because I'm going to attempt to replicate the bun of steel for my Halloween costume this year. Awesome. Yeah, because I, 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 I love the bun of steel and I'm super happy. But the other big relationship that we are totally skipping over is that we finally get, we get to see in this episode the beginning of the most important relationship in Voyager, which is that of Janeway and her coffee. I mean, this is, this is the episode that solidifies that she will literally go through hell and a half of Texas to get coffee if that's what it takes. Uh, she will go into the belly of the beast for her coffee. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I feel like I can defend that yeah. all day. I can defend that because I understand why she would go into uh, the belly of the beast for her coffee. Fair enough. Any defenses of this episode? This, uh, you got anything that you want uh, to defend? That, anything that you I, I agree that the, the nebula, uh, if, if they paid more attention to just actually just the scientific or, or science fiction mm-hmm. aspect of the, of the plot. Yeah. As opposed to trying to develop characters... Um, use the plot to develop the characters the way that good writing you know good good writing uses the plot takes the plot moves it forward develops character along the way that's how you do that right I mean this is writing 101 yeah the the, again the the the, uh, uh, yeah it it was it was uh, if they would have just stayed uh, more of the science yeah yeah, I, I think I think you're totally I right. There. I think you're totally right. And there are some other episodes where they do that. And I think yes. I think to be fair to you, Mike, we've got to get you on one of those episodes. <laughs> right. so that way, that yeah, way you yeah. don't think we're wasting all of all our right. time yeah, watching yeah, crappy I, TV. I, 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 I'm starting to think, you know, you guys really are. I mean, you probably should look for help. <laughs> fair enough. Alrighty. Okay, so we're going to have a a guest this time around, so if you'll uh, go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead. What's your technology for this? Well, just technology, but but just what I noticed on the, this is a episode that was filmed in the 90s. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly long before uh, Steve Jobs had ever thought of the iPhone or any kind of a tablet or anything, and, mm-hmm. and, they, and they were represented uh, quite well in this episode. That I found that astounding. As a matter of fact, and actually this is part of why we like to do this segment, there is a lot of technology that comes literally directly from Star Trek. The people that created the technology cite Star Trek as their source for the original. And, and oh, one, yeah. of, one like of the, the better... The guy who invented the cell phone wanted a communicator, mm-hmm. and so he built a communicator. Mm-hmm. Like, that's right. the... That's right. The awesome thing. Well, the the flip phone certainly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, one of the one of the um, a conversation I had with a fellow Trek geek uh, many years ago. Uh, we were discussing um, two thousand one: A Space Odyssey, Stanley Kubrick's sci- uh, science fiction mm-hmm. masterpiece. Um, one of the things that Stanley Kubrick did in that film was he tried to come up with the technology that he thought we would have in two thousand one, and he followed 
technology that was coming out. I mean, with with his with his uh, sort of obsessiveness, right? I mean, he was he was genuinely he genuinely believed this is what two thousand one would look like. The funny thing is, is that basically none of those technologies exist, right? We we don't have any of that stuff. Star Trek, which didn't try to be realistic in any capacity and just had a vision for the future, in fact, is we are a lot closer to their technological advances. Obviously, not the starships, but a lot of their communicators. Um, I read an article very recently that suggested that tricorders are right around the corner. You didn't see tricorders in this episode, but they're little sort of boxes that scan things and give you information about them, right? I mean, a QR code and a tricorder, they're not very different, right? Um, so what's interesting about Star Trek to me, um, and always and always has been, is that their vision of the future is perhaps the most accurate vision of the future because it gives us something to shoot for, and that's what makes it so amazing. I mean, that's part of why we watch it, right? Mm-hmm. Is that we can see, I I can see a future where we're, you know, gallivanting in the stars. Um, mm-hmm. At least that's what I like to think will happen. <laughs> I agree. So, did you have any? Uh... I have some uh, Trek news, but I think you should go first. On my Trek news? On your Trek news, because mine's a little sad. Actually, oh! Actually, I could do sad, and then you could do yours if you want. Uh, well, mine's a little sad, too. Um, <laughs> my, tra- <laughs> my Trek news is that uh, is that Star Trek uh, Discovery has been uh, greenlit for a second season. So, for you Discovery fans out there, whoopee for you... Uh, I think we need to give it a second chance. I will when they explain why the Klingons look like Ninja Turtles. I think that they are trying to get there. Once they do, so I, I will watch it again. Okay, well, I'm going to watch it without you. Okay, that's fine. Then you, can tell, then you can tell me. You can say, hey, they finally explained why the Klingons look like Ninja Turtles. Fair Heroes enough. on the half shell. Fair enough. Okay, what is your trick? Well, news? mine's, like I said, it's a bit sad. Um, astronaut Paul White's who was a, um, one of the inhabitants of Skylab. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the astronaut, he piloted the first mission of the space shuttle Challenger. Uh, um, okay. He died today. Oh, um, peacefully at his home in Flagstaff. But, you know, I mean, obviously he's not in Star Trek. But, I mean, his, uh, he is a NASA astronaut. And, you know, NASA, you know, obviously naming the very first space shuttle Enterprise... They have a lot of tie to the Star Trek world. Um, and anytime an astronaut passes, I, I, I do get a little misty-eyed just because, you know, I was such a big space kid as a, as a kid. So yeah, it, it is kind of sad. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, uh, I think uh, my dad puts it pretty well when he says he got to be Paul White. Uh, you know, I mean, he, he lived a good life. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we had him. I'm sad that he's gone, but I'm happy that yeah. we had him for as long as we did. So um, yeah. I, I, I'll, uh, I'll say... Uh, I think live long and prosper is inappropriate at this, in this case, but mm-hmm. peace. Uh, and, and, and I'm happy we had a long life for you, Paul White. So thank Paul you. Paul White's. White's. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, okay, so finally, finally, we have... Uh, recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we only, I only have one recommendation, and this is, this is one that I'm, I'm recommending with an asterisk. Um, I'm a huge Philip Dick fan. I, I've watched um, all of his films. Uh, I love his novels. 
um, and his short stories, and I think he's like the best science fiction novelist um, and short story uh, fiction writer probably of the 20th century. I think we're going to look back at this guy and sort of study him in the same way that we study Shakespeare. But um, recently they released uh, Blade Runner 2049, and because we have a child, we only got to see it last week. But uh, um, <laughs> I'm going to recommend it. I'm going to recommend it uh, because I think that it follows the design elements of the original uh, pretty well. It misses on some of the key philosophical questions that I think the original asked. Um, the original being Blade Runner or the novel Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Um, I, uh, I'm sorry that, that, that they missed so heavily the philosophical implications of the original. However, the acting was superb. The writing was pretty, pretty decent. And the, um, the feel of the film, I thought, was just yeah, perfect. It had, it had a great design. Um, and I had never seen the original and I hadn't read the book because I'm a bad science fiction fan. Um, however, I will say that the movie was highly entertaining. Uh, definitely give it a B plus, um, eh, B minus. Um, but it was pretty good. I gotta say, yeah. definitely worth a watch. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, probably wait to get it on the two dollar theater. But you know, yeah, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll recommend it just because I love science fiction and I think we yeah. should support it more. <laughs> so anyway. Um, I wanted to thank our uh, guest slash my dad uh, for uh, joining us this time around. And thank uh, yeah, thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, it was a pleasure. Um, thanks for doing our music for us because I certainly could not. Oh, uh, yeah, we really yeah. appreciate it. Uh, it makes our podcast sound a lot better. Uh, mm. And uh, I just wanted to remind listeners that we have a Facebook page. So if you want to like us on Facebook, maybe like send us a comment or something along those lines that'd be awesome um we also have a email uh that is uh trekking awesome 1701 at gmail.com and we have a twitter feed it's uh trekking t-r-e-k-k-i-n at at trekking at sorry twitter trekking awesome sorry twitter people um at trekking t-r-e-k-k-i-n awesome uh let us know you're listening uh we'd love to hear from you thanks so much trekking a Dragon A. Dragon A. Dad is so fine, he's happy all the time. He walks the dog in the rain and the 